Welcome to the Yellow Peril Podcast, where we help you navigate the perilous world of Asian American identity through pop culture, sex, politics, and whatever other random stuff is currently distracting us. Welcome back, Yellow Perilers. Greetings to all you Chows, all you Yangs, all you Lees. I'm Jeff Oki. And this is Bang. This week, we'll be discussing quite a bit in terms of what's happening, as I'm sure a lot of you know, in the Black Lives Matter movements, some things that do relate to Asian Americans and beyond, and ways that you can still support whether you're protesting or not. And of course, we'll be talking about some lighter, enjoyable things to take your mind off when you can to maintain your mental health to support Asian Americans in entertainment and pop culture. Well, we'll see if it's lighthearted. Depends on if you like The Five Bloods on Netflix or not. But yeah, stay tuned until the end for that review. We haven't really talked about the Asian American police officer that was involved in the murder of George Floyd. His name is Tao Tao Tao. Total. 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 He's Hmong. And I know he was in the news initially because there was a mix-up with the police officer who murdered George Floyd, his wife, now ex-wife, I think. This is how racist I am, because when you told me that there was this Asian woman that was married to one of the officers, I'm like, oh, it must be the Asian guy. <laughs> That's how racist I am. Well, they're also both Hmong, which makes it a little bit more complicated because I think the Hmong community is uh, has, has historically had a lot of back and forth with community members of where they they immigrated to because after the Vietnam War, you know, they were promised by the American government to you know, to basically be be cared for because they fought along American troops in the Vietnam War, immigrated to the U.S. They were put in some pretty low-income neighborhoods and just had a lot of, what's the word, transition bumps. And so, you know, being Hmong or Mian in the U.S. is a lot different than immigrating over from other probably wealthier countries in Asia. And as you can see, I'm trying to be very careful about this because <laughs> as a Vietnamese American uh, person myself, there's a lot of, as you'll note in our review of the Five Bloods, uh, there's a lot of long history talking about the Vietnam War. But all of this to really say that we just wanted to clarify that the wife of the killer <laughs> is not related to... Alleged killer. Alleged killer. I don't know. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that either, but I feel like I just... It's not related to Total, but he has a lot of, uh, has a, had a lot of issues in the past. So, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but he has had run-ins with the law. I guess he is a law. Run-ins with people before. He's had many notifications or, you know, what is it called? Internal affairs. He's been reported multiple times. Yeah, there was one incident where they settled out of court for $25,000, but apparently he handcuffed some guy who was just coming home and then just started beating him up. And then after he was discharged, that guy that he beat up was discharged from the hospital. Him and the other police officer he was with, his partner, apparently took the guy's medicine and threw it in the trash and his discharge papers. Yeah, so after they beat him up, they took him to the hospital and he saw that the patient saw the officers throw his medicine that the nurses had just given him for like his pain medication for getting beat up. They threw his paperwork and the medicine into the trash. The nurses said they were, the cops were being extremely, I don't know, aggressive or rude or something. It was just really interesting reading about, about this guy because you could tell that some of the reporters were just pissed off at this guy because one of the articles I read just listed off like the community college he went to and how he didn't finish community college. And they were just, I know, there's a way to state facts in a way that's just like, this guy's an idiot. So props yeah. to that reporter. That was very interesting to read. But regardless, yeah, we just wanted to to just note that there has been some you know backlash against the Asian American community on the some. police side. Yeah. Here in San Jose, it's also there's also been another incident. Gosh. Officer Yuen, Y U E N, he was he essentially and this is a crazy story and props to my friend who sent this over to me who likes to get shouted out every time. He sends me news articles that end up in here. But this this protester basically went in between some peaceful protesters and the police with his arms in the air and was walking horizontally and he got shot with one of those riot guns like the pellets or whatever those the rubber rubber bullet yeah supposedly soft pellet things and it hit him in the balls oh yeah and it ruptured his testicles yeah and he can't have kids and now he can't have children yeah that's a huge lawsuit 
the the biggest thing is, and this is you know this is really about privilege overall, but he does counseling with police officers, including the San Jose Police Department. Right. To show them sort of how to, you know, stop aggressive, excessive force and to really calm down a situation. And he's friends with the police chief. So. Right. He was probably doing everything that he knows he's supposed to do to not agitate or, you know, incite violence. And they still shot him. Yeah. And don't say they, it's he, it's this one cop, this Asian cop. In this instance. Sure. Yeah. But I'm talking about my problem right now is a lot of cops, obviously, when the protests first started were, they were the ones, from what I've seen, you know, retaliating against people that weren't being violent and were protesting peacefully. What, this is the same officer that, like, he was, like, all fired up and was like, yeah, let's do this, right? Is it, it was the same guy. <laughs> I don't know what video you watched. I read, I read the article. It didn't really... Okay. Yeah. I'll show you the video later, but there's, there's an officer that was reprimanded and... He was put on leave, but he's already back and they've seen him at some of the protests. But he was like so fired up to start something. You could see him, you know, and he even starts one one person in the protest is like, what are you doing? Like, look at you. You look like you're hungry to like start shooting somebody. He's like, shut up, bitch. Shut up, bitch. It's like, dude, like he really wanted to shoot somebody. He's the first person off the line to start something, too. In this video, it's pretty scary. I think it's the same officer. I could be wrong, but that guy was reprimanded. This is in San Jose? It was in San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait until his next excessive force training, Like, and it's the same consultant. That'll be an awkward conversation. <laughs> the guy who he shot in the balls? Yeah. Yeah. I assume he comes back. I hope he comes back, and he's the same one, because they'll be able to use a real-world experience Yeah. to teach. God. I mean, the problem... Right now, what they're saying with the rubber bullets, too, is like a lot of the officers are just shooting them straight ahead instead of the rubber bullets are supposed to be shot at the ground and ricochet. So they're not doing as much. So they're not as harmful. Right. But the problem is they're just shooting them straight across at people, their faces, their chests, their bodies. Someone needs to explain to me what the point of a rubber bullet is. So it doesn't penetrate your body. But what's the point of actually shooting rubber bullets at people? Yeah. Scaring the shit out of people that you might lose a <laughs> testicle. <laughs> Yeah. God. I don't know. Maybe I need to study up more on police training. Actually, I have, actually. I watched all seven police academies, so. Oh, you're done. Yeah. yeah. You, you might as well just join the force. A lot of people are donating money to the cause. A lot of people you expect to be donating are donating, but I think there's a lot of people you might not expect. My first example would just be like Lego. Lego donated millions of dollars, and they also decided to take all the police Lego pieces off the market and they're not going to make any more. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. So they did, it was twofold. It was like, here's a shit ton of money towards Black Lives Matter and we're not going to promote like law enforcement as like wow. this dream job for little kids to play as, right? That is incredible. Which is amazing. I think equally as amazing is BTS and the K-pop army. What is it? The army community? The army fans that uh, support BTS? Does BTS have a, a name for their fans? BTSers? Yeah, they're called ARMY. Oh, they're just called ARMY. Yeah, it's an acronym. Huh. Uh, let me tell you what the acronym is. It's kind of a stretch. It's <laughs> ARMY stands for... Actually, why don't we try to guess each word? Try to guess the A. I'll give you one every time. Asians? No. Nope. Adorable. Okay. Adorable. Try to guess the R. Really? Representative. Man, you're... Oh okay, try to guess the M. Music? MC. What? Now guess the youth. And then it's four. So it's adorable representative MC four. Now guess the Y. You just said youth. That's right. Sorry, youth. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? That's R. <laughs> you're the worst. So BTS donated $1 million to Black Lives Matter and ARMY, their fans, matched it with a million, another million. So they donated $2 million. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Now, I mean, if I were to start, I mean, I'm trying to not be negative about this kind of stuff. I'm trying to be more ant. Like, it's great that they donated. The old me would have been like, but, you know, it's K-pop. I mean, they have to thank black folks for <laughs> music. Everything. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So I think as a compromise, you know, and thank props to Selection for saving this out. It's it's some infographics that have been around apparently since 1992. Wow. From a peach from Portia Maltzby. It's a it's a infographic about the evolution of African-American music. And it starts with 
African-American sacred traditions, African-American secular traditions, and African-American secular traditions instrumental. And then it goes all the way down to connect the dots between every single form of music from gospel to folk. It's everything. To modern gospel, to rap, hip-hop, gospel. Black music is, you know, the root of everything. Yeah. Neo-soul, New Jack Swing, R&B, techno, house, rock and roll, electropunk, go-go, funk. Yeah. So I just think as a as a compromise, we should include K-pop at the very bottom of this chart. Eventually, right? Eventually, yeah. So let's update that thing. I'm trying to think of oh, like classical music is definitely not. I'm I'm, I'm just trying to think of music that we that isn't from <laughs> you know American black music. Yeah, let's name stuff that nobody listens to anymore. <laughs> classical music. I mean, country music is still even like thanks to black culture. Yes. Hmm. Bagpipes? Music with bagpipes, maybe not. Oh, bagpipes? Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Maybe. Actually, you never know. Oh, Indian Indian music, raga music, Chinese music. Yeah, I guess it's just the more ethno... Eth- Chinese folk music? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Zithers and whatnot. <laughs> harp, harp music. So thank you, BTS and ARMY. And then also thanks to... K-pop fans for taking down that Dallas police app. Did you hear about this? Yeah, pretty cool. They just mobilize really well. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I guess they've appropriately named themselves ARMY for a reason. So they f- they flooded it with hashtags or, oh no, they sent videos, right, to this app. So much of BTS instead of what they were asking for, which was, hey, send us videos of like protesters doing violence or whatnot vandalizing things and the bts army instead sent (laughs) thousands hundreds of videos of bts and so they had to take the app down well well before before they get upset with you it it wasn't the bts army it was just all k-pop fans in general okay sorry all k-pop fans that was close close one phew i don't want to offend the people that don't like bts and like other k-pop fans i just want to be safe man okay yeah. Can we get can we get all these fans to like support Joe Biden? Is that is that something that we can do? I feel like they're in already, right? I if they're voting for Trump then they're doing something really weird. I would like to see the intersection of K pop fans and Donald Trump fans. That'll be a fun Venn diagram. I hope it's a tiny little sliver, if not touching at all. I hope they're completely separate. I wanted to shout out also to our gamer fans, itch.io, itch.io is a website that's built for indie gamers and indie developers. Thousands of games, thousands of great games, thousands of award-winning games. They put together a bundle of games. It's called the Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality. Okay. At first it started with like 500 games. That's already an absurd amount of games. You only have to pay minimum $5. All money goes towards... NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and the Community Bail Fund. Okay, split 50-50. Now it is up to 1,700 games for $5. They have raised $6,846,980 as of today, and they're still selling this bundle for another day. So if you're listening to this, it might be too late, but hopefully not. (laughs) But pretty amazing. I mean, I just love it when gamers can do something positive, right? I was just confused because when you first told me about it, I thought it was Mm. a bunch of racial justice games, which I'm not sure if I want to play, but they're (laughs) just games. They're just games. But they support racial justice organizations. Okay. Exactly. It's not 1,700 games about racial justice and equality. Granted, a lot of these games, I mean, the great thing about indie games is there are a lot of like minority developers. And so it is a great representation because it's so diverse in the gaming world and developer world. So I just wanted to point that out. If you can still grab it, try to grab it, and it's for a great cause. I want to continue talking about all the things that we can do. Once again, a reminder, you know, if you can't be out there protesting, there's a lot of other things you can do. One thing I wanted to mention is I heard this, I think it was Steve Kerr or it was somebody else that was famous who said, you know, donations are not enough. Volunteering and doing all this other stuff is what you need to do in the long term. I just wanted to remind folks that a lot of nonprofits don't have the most capacity to do work, and they especially don't have the time to train somebody right off the street to come in who's really 
really gearing to to volunteer, knowing whether or not they're actually going to stick around and continue working, though, is another thing. So if you're a lawyer, if you're an accountant, if you have a skill that is valuable in the open market, having you show up to volunteer and then for, for them to train you or do all sorts of stuff to do, you know, whatever it is that you want to do might be difficult, but there's ways for you to donate your valuable time, either being an accountant or a lawyer, a designer, website designer, whatever, because those are valuable things that are not just only valuable in the open market, but valuable for a nonprofit as well. So I wanted to plug a website. It's called catchafire.com. It's, uh, it's, it was started by an Asian-Australian um, executive director. And you can go there. You can volunteer your time, put up an ad or put up something that matches you with a nonprofit. So if you're a designer like Oki and there's a nonprofit that needs a designer that can use this help, then you can volunteer your time. I feel like you're only talking to me and telling me I'm not doing enough. This is actually an intervention. Oki, you're not doing enough. I get it. <laughs> Whatever, yeah, whatever you can do, um, if there's a very distinct skill that is worth a lot in the open market, tax attorney, whatever it is that you, you do, check out the website, volunteer with your favorite organization, especially if it has to do with racial justice. One other thing I would also recommend if you're Asian American or close to the movement and want to learn more about racial justice, there's a website called AsianAmToolkit.org. It's a racial justice toolkit that you can download go through the modules and really learn about racial justice through the lens of being Asian American and how it relates to the movement and other races. Uh, that's sort of the key. It's really how, how does an Asian American person fit in with, you know, talking, talking to your parents or working with the community when contextually, you know, we're Asian American. So it's really about racial justice. But if you're Asian American, there's a, there's a lens that you're exposed to and that you have. And this toolkit is really helping you be able to harness your power with the tools that you have. So check out the website, AsianAmToolkit.org. Another website I'd like to bring up too is lettersforblacklives.com. What they've done is they've written a letter, and we know how hard it is to talk about racism be it with your friends, but especially your family. And what Letters for Black Lives has done is written a letter, very well written, that speaks to your family, usually specifically your family, about Black Lives Matter. And what they've also done is they've translated it into multiple languages. Um, and I think this is really important for the Asian American community to check out, especially if you're trying to have that difficult conversation with your parents, with your aunts and uncles, with anyone in your family. And also, especially if English isn't their first language, this site really helps. That's lettersforblacklives.com. And that the crazy part is this site has been around for a while. It's just, you know, it's been updated with more languages recently. But we're always sharing as much as we can on our Instagram, of course, at Yellow Peril Pod. So if you see anything you think we should share, be sure to let us know, leave a comment, or send us a message there. I want to talk about cancel culture. It's rampant. Are you going to talk to me about Alice and Roman? Yeah, I am. I mean, that's old news. Do you want her to be canceled? I don't have a problem with her being canceled. Like, I don't have a problem with it, right? I, I feel bad. I feel bad when anybody's canceled in a way because, you know, people fuck up really bad. I'm starting to think it actually, I'm going to reverse my course from the last time we spoke about this. Sure. And I think she might have just accidentally did it because <laughs> this latest news is that Chrissy Teigen was going to be executive producer for one of her upcoming projects. Totally. Yeah. Why would you, why would you do this? Yeah. Like she talked shit about this woman that was about to work with her. It's a little confusing. It's very confusing. Either she not, did not know Chrissy Teigen was going to be executive producer or she just had her on her mind because she was going to work with her. It's yeah, very odd. No, It's very confusing. I mean, Chrissy Teigen even tweeted, I hope we can laugh about it one day, but I'm not happy with the New York time leave. So she deaf can't laugh about it yet. It just sucks in every way. So even Chrissy Teigen, you know, she even goes on to say, I very publicly forgave Allison, and that was real. When I said I don't believe in being canceled for your honest opinion, that was very real. I don't agree with what the New York Times has done. I am not them. I didn't call them. I didn't write. And most of all, I'd like her back. Yeah, that's great. This is why I love Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. But there's a lot of <laughs> other people getting canceled 
for way worse stuff. I, I, I agree. I think Allison Roman... She's on leave. She's not canceled. She's on leave. Sure. I mean, all these people that are being canceled are being let go, but they're going to find a job. Who else are we going to talk about? Oh, gosh. Where to begin? The CEO of CrossFit, he resigned after he posted some pretty racist comments. Okay. That seems acceptable. Yeah. The editor of Bon Appetit was let go. <laughs> bon what? Appetit. Yeah. What is- they found him in a photo where he was in brown face and they were saying, if you look at who gets shows on their like internet shows, there's a lot of people that are not being featured, that are not being paid enough. One particular chef on the show, Sola El, I'm going to mess up this last name, Sola El Whaley, Sola El Whaley, Someone cut this great cut. She's always in the back of their test kitchen, and all the stars in these shows are constantly asking her for help because she knows what she's doing. Oh my god! And of course, she's a person of color, and all these white stars are just constantly, "Uh, Sola, can you come over here? What, 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 what should I do for this? What should I do for that?" (laughs) And she she was getting paid like fifty, forty k a year or something really low. And here she is, like an amazing chef, right? That's ridiculous. So, okay, I want to know how. I'm. I before I ask you this question, mm-hmm. I want to just say that if the number, if the if the date is very very recent, mm-hmm. then I'll be even more angry, right? I'll be at one hundred and ten percent. But if the date was from a very long time ago, like the Prime Minister of Canada, then I'll be at like a ninety nine percent. So, when did he do the blackface? <laughs> it was. A while ago. Okay. Well, I'm still angry. I'm just curious yeah. to know, like, it's a lot different to actually, like, yesterday. Right. It wasn't in the past year. Because I kind of feel like you have to say that the year. Sure. I know that sucks to even say, but there's a big difference between, I'm not saying you should be less angry. I'm just saying you should be more angry if it was yesterday. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's tricky, right? I mean, like, James Gunn, he was fired, and then they brought him back. Granted, his stuff wasn't, was it racist? I think it was just like creepy and dark and perverted, but. Why are you bringing James Gunn into this? He didn't do any blackface. No, no, I'm talking, no, I'm talking about cancel culture. They canceled him. Oh, okay. All right. Just want to make sure. Right. But there's another actor right now that was just fired from the flash, Hartley Sawyer. He had tweets that resurfaced where they were pretty racist and they fired him. And granted, they might've been a few years ago, but. They were, they were offensive. Well, anyway, I feel like we've done this piece of advice before. Yeah. Here's the first one. Don't do blackface. Just don't. Ever. Don't do any face. There's no context. Don't do any face. Yeah. Just don't do any face. I mean, it's really easy yeah. to do a Halloween costume that's not racist. Yeah. It's so easy. It's like so easy. I mean, I was Judge Ito from the OJ Simpson trial once, but I'm Asian, so it's fine. Sure. Right. I think so. Are you saying a white person? I feel like a white person played Judge Ito on Saturday Night Live, but I could be wrong there too. Oh, and then did you see, you saw Jimmy Fallon got knocked for doing blackface as Chris Rock years ago. Oh, just don't. On SNL. Yeah. I mean, let's just not. Yeah. Rule number one. That's easy. Yeah. I feel like rule two is- Rule number two. Yeah, go ahead. I want to hear your rule number two. Rule number two is, is about Twitter. It's just like, first of all- <laughs> First of all, if you're going to be suddenly famous, just delete your your tweets or delete all of Twitter. But more importantly, just don't just don't tweet your racist thoughts. I mean, why don't you just simmer them in your in your racist thoughts? Yeah. Just simmer in them. And if you ever want to be in public someday, maybe just don't tweet it. Some people think Twitter is just really something they do at home. They think they're joking with their friends. Yeah. I literally think that's the problem with some people on Twitter before they become famous, obviously. It's like, this is just for jokes with my friends because I only have like 50 followers and these are for my friends. But you probably shouldn't be... I mean, I get it. People make really awful jokes with their friends. Yeah, but that's what text messages are for. <laughs> But even then, I wouldn't do that anymore. You never know what your friend's gonna fucking fuck you over, right? That's true. Well, if this, if the, if Twitter, do you remember how in the '90s when they explained the internet in a movie, it would just be like visual, like hackers, whatever. Like when they explained how a chat room worked, you'd see all of the, you'd like literally be in a room and there'd be words. Like if they tried to ex- imagine Twitter, if it was explained in the '90s. 
And it's all these messages that are just graffitied on the side of a billboard in a big open public plaza. That's essentially how Twitter... Yeah, with with your face and name next to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't think... I guess people who didn't grow up in the 90s didn't understand how the internet was portrayed when it first came out. Yeah. But that's essentially... Maybe people our age realize that, how public it is. But if you just grew up in the Twitter world, you don't realize how public it is. I'm just going to step off my old man box now. <laughs> Thanks, Grandpa. Watch out for Twitter, kids. Yeah, my Twitter is like, look at that. That's interesting. And then I put a very interesting article that no one's going to read because it's so boring. Meanwhile, I'm reading all this other stuff. Yeah, all the terrible stuff. Jesus. Twitter is a terrible... Have you? Oh, I just learned this new term. I think I said it in the past few podcasts. Doom scrolling. Oh, God. Did I tell you about that? No. I mean, I was doing it I, because of all this news, because of, you know, there there were many emotions going through me as the protests were happening, learning about George Floyd. And I couldn't sleep because there was so much, a barrage of information and people saying great stuff and people saying really stupid stuff. And you start what they call doom scrolling. You're just like, what is the terror that is happening in the world today and a lot of that you can find on twitter so be careful i just want to remind everybody to just like you know mental health self-care you can step back yeah self-care i had this conversation with a friend of mine today who has been very very vocal and very very adamant and very just very intense about everything Mm -hmm. and i mentioned to him that i've i've seen this before with people who have been involved in the movement for years and what happens is you know, you, whether or not they lose that flame, sometimes they sort of step out of the movement. Like they're just like, I can't handle this day to day anymore. The world is terrible. I'm going to go into a completely different profession hmm. and move on. Yeah. Um, and the ones who last longer are the ones who transition to a much more stable position where they can sort of, you know, either work on the policy side or do something longer term. But just, you know, just make sure that you take care of yourself and stick stick with this. I mean, I'm not saying that you should, you know. <laughs> 24-7. Do not do 24-7. <laughs> yeah, just like any job. Just, yeah. you know, stick with what mental health-wise you can handle. Because yes. if you wake up at 7 a.m. and you're on Twitter and you go to sleep with Twitter, then that might be a bad thing. Yep. Again, I feel like you're talking directly to me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's a few golden doodle Instagram follows I can send you that you should follow. Do you want to just do that? Just follow like my favorite golden doodle? <laughs> no? Like. Oh, it's so cute. Believe me, I'm doing stuff like that. I, th- I think it's just remembering to take a step back. You don't have to be constantly sharing, but don't stop, but take breaks. That's all, right? Just remember to take breaks. I had to remind myself. And I finally did. And I, I feel much better. Thank goodness. I mean, and maybe we should also ask the audience, like how much, what's the ratio of racial justice information and posts you want from us versus, I mean, we're going to be talking about Star Trek next, or I don't know what we're talking about next. So how much of the ratio? I mean, I'm guessing 80%, 20%, 70, 30. Right now. I don't know. It's, it's complicated. Right. And we haven't even gotten into uh, yellow peril supporting Black Power. We'll leave that for next time. Hot topic. Yeah, we'll leave that for next time. But I was thinking about that. Just a quick a quick thought about that is mm-hmm. I've been thinking about Colin Kaepernick a lot, obviously. And mm. everybody, all of the new football players that you would imagine would not be kneeling to the flag. And even Roger Goodell. Like I read an article. I read something about Baker Mayfield and Gronkowski who were just like, absolutely, I'm kneeling this year. You know, which is like a big deal compared to yeah. what they were saying before. And I was wondering what it would be like how, you know, we basically reappropriated the term yellow peril. What it would be mm-hmm. like if we appropriated, reappropriated the American flag? Like what if we, because I feel like when the American flag is used in public, mm-hmm. like we are, it's not always with the best of folks <laughs> who are using it and carrying it around. Uh... <laughs> It's just really interesting to think about, you know, like if I saw a rally full of American flags, I'll be like, that's kind of scary. I might want to step away. But what if really what if the left started using the American flag? I feel like they do. And I think the right is using a different flag that we're trying to cancel, (laughs) which is in the news as well. But I don't know. I just I just I just think it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. I think the American flag still stands for something. 
And I think you can protest at it, but they're still protesting at it because they understand it represents what we want it to be, right? Yeah, we all we all want it to be a certain way. And the yeah. people who use the American flag <laughs> like things the way they are, which is probably the difference. Yeah. Which is why the only thing I really wear that has American flag, and I guess it used to be the, uh, the Old Navy summer uh, shirt that would come out for $5 when I was uh, young. But the only thing I have now is the, uh, the Outkast album cover that has the American <laughs> flag on it. That's the only way I could wear the American flag. Which is in black and white? Yeah, the black and white. Yeah. Me, I forgot which album that is. Let me look that up. Do you know what I realized too is John Oliver has a great episode that came out like a year or two ago about, hey, stop using the Confederate flag. Hey, let's tear down all the Confederate statues. This is two a year or two ago before all this was happening, right? Stone Mountain was this Confederate memorial and I've had a shirt with Stone Mountain on it since high school with the actual mountain though it was like an illustration of the mountain on I had, yeah but that's just a mountain though it's not like no 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 there's a carving it's a stone mountain it's a stone mountain and it's the carving of the, the the confederate soldiers i had no idea luckily i've lost that shirt or it's like been tossed to the wind i don't know where it is but you don't think i wore a dukes of hazard shirt when i was seven years old <laughs> oh yeah that's the thing you don't think I did that? Hell yeah, I did that. You don't think I'd, I'd try to slide on hoods of cars? But yeah, but we learned. Yeah. That's the important thing. I don't, I, yeah, I still don't get it. As someone who's Vietnamese who, you know, the Vietnamese who lost the war, we can't really use our old flag in Vietnam mm. because, you know, losers don't get to use their flags. Sure. <laughs> right? I mean, you just lost. It's like, oh, this is a part of American history. We need it. Nah, lost the war. Like, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's worse than that here because it obviously it signifies a part of America that wanted something that we don't want. The, oh, all of that is true. Yeah. Except the Confederacy lost the war. They also lost the war. Yes. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Should we just be flying the Union Jack around and trying to actually no one would really care if we had the British flag up at this point? Yeah. They'd be like, OK, you're British. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, see? On to some more positive news. There's Asians in entertainment. You should go check stuff out. There's a lot. Good stuff. How about that? Netflix just announced season two of The Umbrella Academy coming out this year, July 31st. That's soon. That's exciting. It's not soon. I've been waiting for this for a while. Oh. They finished that season like two years ago, right? Has it been that long? I think it's only been a year. I feel like it's been a while. It's only been a year. Okay. Well, Netflix years. Yeah, Netflix, because you binge watch, you're like, uh, this better come out in a month, though, the whole next season, because I can't wait to see what happens. But that's exciting. Who's the Asian person in Umbrella Academy again? Sitting here wondering why we're talking about the Umbrella Academy, trying to slip in comic news. Yeah, that's all I'm trying to do. Justin H. Min plays Ben Hargreaves. You think he's actually going to not be a ghost that nobody sees? I think he has a bigger role this season. Because he was not in a lot of it last season. He was pretty big in the comic book, so yeah, it's a little questionable why he's not in a lot of the first season. Very questionable, but... We know why. <laughs> you said it. Uh, can he be less Asian? Yeah. Or can he just be less in it? Okay, how about that? Yeah, let's do that. Compromise. Let's do that. Yeah. He can be all Asian, but less in it. <laughs> Also on Netflix, Netflix is doing pretty well. Space Force. Did you watch it yet at all? I did not, no. But this is, this is the show that was based on the Donald Trump announcement of creating the new wing of... So no, this is the funny thing. Space Force copyrighted the name first before Donald Trump came up with Space Force. So now the government might be in trouble for using the term Space Force wow. because the Netflix show copyrighted at first. That's what's great. But it's only it's only out because they got the idea from Donald Trump, though, right? That I'd have to look into. Jimmy O. Yang's on it. He's great. I watched the whole season. It's pretty funny. It's created by Greg Daniels. Steve Carell stars. It's nothing like The Office. It's not as funny as The Office, but it's a different kind of funny. Ben Schwartz, who I've been, for some reason, binge-watching him like crazy on YouTube. Don't know why, but Lisa Kudrow. It's good. It's good. It's a good cliffhanger. Definitely want to see what it's all about. I was hoping to be more sci-fi, more like Avenue 5, but it is not. But it is a little bit. And the thing is, is they're fighting the Chinese Space Force as well. So there's that. 
Hmm. Another show that's back for season two, Homecoming, starring Janelle Monet, but more importantly, Hong Chow. The first season was Julia Roberts. This season stars Janelle Monet and Hong Chow, and it's pretty fascinating. I casually watched most of it. It's a really cool story. Hong Chow and Janelle, uh, you know what? If I say anything, it's going to spoil too much. I'm not going to say anything. Not going to say anything. Just check it out. She does a great job. They both do. Everybody does. <laughs> I'll say that. And finally, I love horror, so I just want to call out a new film called Relic, not The Relic, which was a movie with Mira Sorvino. This movie is being directed by Natalie Erica James, a Japanese-Australian director, and I'm excited to see it. It's getting a lot of great reviews so far, and keep an eye out for that one. Did you watch The Five Bloods like I told you to for your homework? I did. I did. I did homework. What are your thoughts? <sighs> Many thoughts. <laughs> is it a good movie? A. It's okay. It's, I think he went, the style is very erratic and it's not very congruous, which I get it. It's the style he went with, which I, I, I liked. That's okay. I know there's a lot of disparity between what people think. I don't know enough about the Vietnam War to comment on a lot of that stuff. Like, I just learned about Hanoi Hannah, and I sort of did look into her history, which was pretty interesting, how she tried to dissuade GIs from fighting the war. I found that fascinating. What did you think? <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot to say. I just don't think I'm going to ever get the movie I want. Oh. I don't think it's possible. I just don't think it's possible. I think ever someday. I think you will. I mean, the way to actually get a movie like this right mm. is if you equally have the voice of an African-American mm. person who understands the civil rights movement. And? And somebody who also understands Vietnamese and Vietnamese-American culture. Sure. And so there's like seven different stories going on in this movie, just independently. And then just sort of two overarching themes of like being African-American in the Vietnam War and then all the stuff going on in Vietnam. Like it's just so much going on. Right. I feel like in the movie somewhere, there's about 45 minutes of a Jonathan Majors and Chadwick Boseman movie that I would watch, which is like Jonathan Majors, like the best thing about the most amazing, one of my favorite movies of the year, uh, Black, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm. And Chadwick Boseman, obviously, is, you know, a great human being that I love watching. There's just something there. And I feel like I would watch that movie. Yeah. That one hour and a half, probably, from what they filmed. But I just think they might have just given, they just might have given Spike Lee way too much money. <laughs> well, I, the funny thing is, is I keep saying, like, the people are complaining, why did you use the same actors for the flashback when they're supposed to be like 40 years younger? Oh, that was weird. And Spike's like, I don't have Scorsese budgets because, you know, Scorsese de-aged everybody in The Irishman. But why didn't she use different actors then? They thought of that. Too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't get the whole, I didn't get the age thing because it's set in present day v, uh, Vietnam, like 2020, because mm -hmm. I saw people with smartphones and they were talking about, you know, make America great again. Right. But if you think about somebody who's 20 years old in 1971. <laughs> they don't look like those guys at all. They're 70 year olds. Yeah. Like why not at least like, why not at least give them different haircuts? And I feel like I still saw their hair was like, had gray and white in it. Like, make them a little different. No, but you get this, though, right? This this movie, the timeline suggests that it should should have happened in the early 2000s or 90s. The war or when they're going to find the gold? The people who would come back uh, to see, like, the age of the age of their, of their of the daughter that's mixed. Right. Like, all of that stuff happened in the late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> right. Right? Not now. Yeah, not exactly 2020. Like, they're 85 years old or 78 years old right now, and their kids are 55 years old. Yeah, right. It didn't make sense. Then let's call it Once Upon a Time in Vietnam from the lens of Black Americans. Oh, then yeah. I mean, I think... Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like a fictitious storytelling of, you know, loosely based around factual things, but taken to a fictional, obviously, but... This is 
it doesn't make sense anyone's age, right? Because the daughter would be like fifty years old, right? Yeah, I mean, all this stuff was happening in the nineties when 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 yeah. Clinton was president, when yeah. American soldiers were coming back and all that. But mm-hmm. I I would totally watch a Chadwick Boseman, Jonathan Majors movie, and I would also watch a Johnny Johnny Nguyen and Veronica No movie. Mm-hmm. Like those two were just fantastic in it. The the Vietnamese guide vid. I thought you didn't like Delroy Lindo's performance was good. I thought it was. Delroy Lindo's performance was good, but he was also talking for two hours of the movie. The movie was too long. I love Delroy Lindo. I love Delroy Lindo as well. I mean, I've literally seen, I've met Delroy Lindo in downtown Oakland, took a picture with him. Like, I'm a big fan. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, this was basically like Love Actually. It was like five different stories mixed in together. (laughs) Did you feel that way? I didn't didn't think it was that confusing. Not confusing, just too much in one. There is a heist movie where they find gold, right? Back yep. flashback. Yep. There is a redemption. Soldiers coming back to Vietnam and dealing right. with, you know, the repercussions of seeing the the soldiers that you fought and their kids and all of that. Mm-hmm. There is a French nonprofit that is fighting the finding mines in there. Yep. There's Jonathan Majors and his dad, the stuff that he they're dealing with. Jonathan Majors has is can I think I will watch a show about him, his whole story, a Spike Lee show. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You're saying there are a lot of messages. I don't think the plot was that convoluted or busy, but you're I mean, I don't know. That's just my opinion. But there are a lot of different messages. Like they're talking about PTSD. They're talking about, yeah, black Americans in Vietnam. They're talking about the war. They're talking about redemption and mistakes and you know a lot of stuff that's true they're talking about a lot of stuff (laughs) there's also a lot of Vietnamese people getting killed and I was I was like fine this is great I know I'm going to see Vietnamese people killed between 1967 and 1971 in the flashbacks yeah I didn't know I'd see even more get killed in present day 2020 (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that was interesting Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing about when you listen to people with an accent, when I'm hearing Vietnamese folks speaking English with an accent, you know, they sound yeah. like, oh, I'm not even going to try to do it. <laughs> oh, but if it was Chinese, you would do it. They're saying, stu- <laughs> you know, they're speaking gibberish, right? It sounds like uneducated, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, stop there. It just sounds, I don't... how do you say this? Like they did, they, they have, their vocabulary is limited. So they're just yelling limited vocabulary. Okay. So it makes them seem ignorant, right? Because they don't speak English well. Okay. Well, I wouldn't say ignorant. They just don't know English. No, in movies, they make them sound ignorant because they can't speak English well. Huh? So the guy with the gun is not, when he's yelling at you, he's not saying, please stop right there. Don't move. You know, you are blah, blah, blah. He's just saying, stop. Don't move, blah blah blah. You know? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? They don't. Yeah, but just let me. Just let me. I had, that's my first point. I have a second point. Sure, but acknowledge that if they give you, if you're not speaking with English as your first language in a movie, they mm-hmm. purposely make you sound like you're ignorant. Okay. They're not giving them a huge vocabulary. Like that guy might be Vietnamese American from Huntington Beach and doing the accent is what I'm saying. Sure. Okay. And then, so when you hear that, when you hear them speak Vietnamese, they're very eloquent, right? When you hear somebody who speaks in their native language, they sound eloquent because they have much more vocabulary. Yeah. In the movie, their Vietnamese sounds just as gibberish too. Oh, okay. Like if you're actually listening to their Vietnamese. It's not good. It's just not, it's just like a bunch of people just yelling at each other constantly. It's just background noise. Right. It was so annoying. That was huh. my biggest gripe with the film is like, even in Vietnamese, the, the characters were not two dimensional. Got it. It was very odd. Yeah. It was very odd. I, I didn't know where you're going with that, but fine. That's why I was wondering why you were not. Well, I mean, I mean, I was like, well, yeah, if you, if English is your second language, you don't know English. Yeah. Yeah. But I think at least they presented like Hannah Hannah. She spoke perfect English. So not everybody's, you know. Well, that's her job. Well, yeah, she studied English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they gave her like some crappy accent and didn't, and she was speaking gibberish, then yeah. they just didn't understand history if they did that. That would be crazy. Right. That'd be terrible. That'd be stupid. But can we, I mean, can, we, can you at least agree that we did not need the bomb, the, the mine, the nonprofit that, that discovers mines? Did we need that? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. I feel like it's like, oh, we need some sort of love interest. I don't know. And you can't have a Vietnamese 
local or that there are I think the only thing that I was like oh here's like this European who's judging a black American in Vietnam like when they're at the bar I'm like okay and I thought they were never coming back I thought that was like just a quick little message right but then they came back I'm like all right yeah do they propel the plot anymore like the fact that they gave money to the their organization and that's a message like and isn't she rich isn't she supposed to be rich the french girl yeah i didn't catch that part yeah her family made a bunch of wealth while colonizing vietnam and she was just using oh. the money to run the nonprofit now that's what i thought and i don't know why she's negotiating for millions more yeah it was just all very complicated yeah not a great movie but i mean enjoyable parts some dark fucked up parts i don't know what i did want to say was great though i mean obviously the ending like incorporating it back into the black lives matter movement i mean there's really no way to not support that i mean that was obviously very timely i think it was a very timely movie and i'd be interested in hearing more about sort of what you know the african-american community thinks about this movie because i i can only see it through the lens of a vietnamese american yeah i mean i've read a lot of reviews and Obviously, it's hard to tell who's giving the reviews, but it's very split down the middle. It's like some people are like, amazing. I learned so much. Moving, touching. People are like, wow, terrible, terrible, confusing, a mess. Spike Lee's worst. There was there were some really great elements. Like, I feel like, I mean, it's a two yeah. hour and 20 minute movie. It's long. Yeah. There's an hour and a half movie in there that's fantastic. What would you cut? The Vietnamese. <laughs> the French. Jean Reno, the French guy, all the oh the the white people, all the white people, all the white people. Yeah, so none of the minefield stuff. Jean Reno can go. Like, do we actually need Vietnamese with guns to actually go after them at the end? Do we need that? Like, couldn't they just sort of? They did turn on themselves. Do they need to turn on? Right. Why couldn't it have just been his French like lackeys? Right. I don't know. I feel like the demon should have come from inside instead of actually be five Vietnamese cops or terrorists or something with machine guns. Oh, like they just tore themselves apart? If I were to tell you that the end of a Spike Lee movie about four, four army guys coming back to, four Vietnam vets coming back to Vietnam ends with Vietnamese terrorists going after them with guns, what would you say? I'd be like, seriously? Yeah. Or what if I said that, you know, they have to figure out demons and... yeah have all of these like inner turmoil and they turn on each other and like they betray, they don't actually shoot each other, but they feel betrayed by each other and all this other stuff. Way more compelling. Yeah. It became a cheese ball. That was the thing to me. It was like, is this parts of it were almost comedic in a way, like, like national treasure, like they're hunting for gold. Plus it, it was a lot to deal with. Yeah. And then it became, it, it had a lot of stereotypes. It was like that Chris Hemsworth, which Hemsworth did the, uh, the last Netflix movie? That was Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah, Thor. It felt a little like that. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of stereotypes, yeah. Yeah, he, he made like a stereotyped action film with a deeper message, but I feel like he didn't have to go that route, right? I, I just I just feel like Chadwick Boseman, Jonathan Majors, Veronica No, and, and Johnny Nguyen were like playing in a different movie yeah. than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, cool, it's a Spike Lee joint, sign me up. Right. They were just, yeah, they were just acting on a different level. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. I don't know what else to say other than I'm just going to stay positive and recommend a few other movies <laughs> <laughs> to watch based on whether or not you watch this movie. Yes. To cleanse your palate of this movie. Yeah. So, Veronica Nguyen and uh, Johnny Nguyen are in a movie called The Rebel, which is one of the first, I think, or one of the most accomplished uh, Vietnamese martial arts films. I would watch that. It came out in 2007. It's called The Rebel. So if you liked uh, Veronica and, and Johnny, watch that. I would also go on YouTube and watch uh, Friend of the Pod, Ang Ding Ha, his student film. It's called Burn to Send. Just Google, just YouTube. What was the name again? Burn to Send. No, no, the name of the... Ang Ding Ha. Okay. His name is Ang Ding Ha. It's, and he... It's a student film from NYU Tisch, which is actually advised by Spike Lee. So this is technically the first film that Spike Lee has worked on. It's based in Vietnam. It's a quick 21 minutes, really interesting movie. I think it's obviously much more robust when it comes to the Vietnamese, if you're looking for something Vietnamese from a filmmaker. Yeah, and I just want to add, I guess, 
this was a black American film about Vietnam. You want a movie by Vietnamese Americans and black Americans to make a movie. No, I, I walked into this knowing what this was going to be, a Spike Lee joint. Right. And Spike Lee joint, yeah. I just expected a little bit more robust advice story. Oh, okay. Yeah. And three-dimensionalness to the Vietnamese characters. That's all. Right. That's what you expected, but I don't think he was trying to do that. <laughs> right? I think he I mean, I think he tried. I think he, you know, mm -hmm. he picked the two best actors in Vietnam that are more famous and gave mm -hmm. them some pretty You could tell they're great actors, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. In case you haven't watched it yet, B Waters out on ESPN 30 for 30. Bruce Lee documentary by Bao Nguyen. Amazing. I cried. Really important film to watch as well. Better than The Five Bloods. I'll go. I guess it's not that big of a stretch to say. Did you watch it yet, though? Be Water? No. I haven't watched it yet. I'm sorry. Okay. It's okay. There's time. I'm saving it. Yeah. It's good. It's really, really very well done. And of course, if you haven't heard it yet, we interviewed Bao in the last episode. Go check that out. Congrats again to Bao. Thanks for listening. As always, Yellow Parallelers, don't forget to subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcasts or tell any of your smart, what are they called? Smart home apps? I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> tell them to play the Yellow Peril podcast. Smart speaker. Smart speaker. There it is. If you have a comment or question you'd like to share with us, send us an email or drop us a comment or send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Our email is yellowperilpod at gmail.com. You can even call us and leave a voicemail at 845-2-YELLOW. That's 845-293-5509. Shout out to David for leaving us a voicemail asking us to talk about Black Lives Matters and how we can support the black community. Hopefully we've answered that in the past few episodes, but we really appreciate that voicemail from you asking us for that as well. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, please consider subscribing, following, leaving us a review, and supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yellowperil. Believe it or not, this show costs us money. And if you donate, we can keep doing this if you want to hear more. We'd like to do more. You can also buy our shirts. Proceeds from the Yellow Peril shirts are going. We're donating those to Black Lives Matters organizations and movements as well. This episode was brought to you with the help of our editor, John Oriarte. Before we go to end the show, it's our karaoke closer. In honor of the Five Bloods, I think we should sing... A Marvin Gaye song. What's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Those were pretty amazing moments, though. Oh, I mean, yeah. to find that, yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, there was parts of the movie where I was just like, this is amazing. Yeah. And then the other parts I was skipping over. <laughs> You're like, next. You you knew the mind scene was coming, right? I mean, I had to forward it. Oh, yeah. That gave me that made me stressed out for like half an hour. Same. I was watching it and I'm like, first he's got the the metal detector. I'm like, he's going to find a mine. Yeah. He's going to find a mine. Somebody's going to blow up. And then when every time somebody's doing a speech like that like, "Oh, I'm going to do this." I'm like, yeah. "He's going to get shot. He's going to get shot." And then he exploded yeah. instead. I'm like, "Well, at least they surprised me how he was going to die, but Yeah. That's an yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> I think you should sing this one because for some reason I was featured so heavily in the last episode. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. All right, here we go. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know you've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Hey, hey, father, father. We don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the answer. For only love can conquer hate. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Oh. Nice job. Uh, it's the microphone. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. The microphone made it better or worse? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. <laughs> What's going on? Great. Those were great scenes. Oh, someone just bought... Bought a shirt? 